Well, I'd like to welcome you all to the Department of Defense Bloggers Roundtable for Thursday, March 14th, 2013. My name is William Selby with the Office of the Secretary of Defense Public Affairs, and I'll be moderating the call today. Uh, we are honored to have as our guest Colonel Jamie Grimes, uh, MD, National Director of the Defense and Veterans Brain Injury Center, and Ms. Catherine Helmate, Deputy Director of DVBIC. They will discuss your questions about what happens when a military member sustains TBI, the differences in levels of severity used to describe TBIs, and efforts that might help others with recovery in the future. A note to the bloggers on the line, please remember to clearly state your name and blog or organization in advance of your question. Please keep your questions succinct and to the point, and if you are not asking a question, we ask that you please place your phone on, phone on mute. And with that, uh, Colonel Grimes and Ms. Helmick, if you have opening statements, the floor is yours. Yes, hello. This is uh, Colonel Jamie Grimes. I am the National Director of Defense and Veterans Brain Injury Center and have been since uh, July of 2010. Before that, I was the site director down in San Antonio for Wilford Hall and for uh, Brook Army Medical Center, um, coordinating uh, TBI care there in the San Antonio area. Gives me great pleasure to, to join you here today with uh, my outstanding deputy director. Uh, I did want to say that I deployed uh, to Afghanistan in 2011 as the theater neurologist and uh, deployed with a neurosurgery team way back in 2004 to Iraq. So I, I have theater experience, too, of which uh, has been a, a great honor and privilege for myself. I'm going to turn it over to Kathy for her to introduce herself. I did want to mention, just truth in advertising, I'm a psychiatrist and a neurologist uh, and also have board certification in vascular neurology. Let me turn it over to Kathy. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Kathy Helmick, and I serve as the Deputy Director for the Defense and Veterans Brain Injury Center. I'm a nurse practitioner by my background and training, and uh, have worked in the traumatic brain injury field um, for a little over 20 years. Uh, I've been with the Defense and Veterans Brain Injury Center since 2004, and then uh, went uh, to the Defense Centers of Excellence for uh, a few years, and have uh, have rejoined Defense and Veterans Brain Injury Center serving in the capacity of Deputy Director, um, and it's my honor to, uh, to have uh, the mission of looking at executing a clinical mission, a research mission, and an educational mission within the realm of military TBI. Thank you very much for your opening statements. Uh, Chuck Simmons, you were first on the line, and Chuck, go ahead and ask, if you have a couple of questions, go ahead and start off with that off the bat. Okay, can, great. Um, I think that Ms. Helmick and I have spoken before uh, in, a, in a prior uh, roundtable. Uh, my name is Chuck Simmons, and I'm with America's North Shore Journal. Um, last that I knew, um, there was quite a move underway to get some helmets into the field that would measure uh, the physical forces involved um, when... Uh, an individual sustains a, uh, a, uh, a head injury. And um, the last I knew, we were on our second generation of those helmets. Can someone speak to uh, where we are and, and what kind of data is uh, being generated? Um, certainly, sir. Uh, this is Ms. Helmick, and, and then I'll um, ask to see any additional comments from Colonel Grimes. Um, 
the Generation 2 or Gen 2 helmet sensors are being um, developed and executed in the field, deployed in the field through PEO, PE, um, PEO Soldier. Um, we also are uh, fielding DARPA blast gauges um, also to try to gather as much information as we can about acceleration and velocity and impact um, in the field of, of blast and blast concussion. Um, these um, environmental sensors are, um, re have recently been deployed and are yielding information that is going through analysis at this point. Um, so we are, we are um, staying very close in touch with the developers and the folks in the field that are deploying these so that we can look for applicability both in the operational environment. Um, we believe that there will be information that will be key to our commanders to know about velocity and acceleration G-forces with, um, with the environmental sensors, as well as the medical field to try to understand, again, as using these environmental sensors as a gauge, um, sort of as a red, green, and yellow light uh, to let folks know, service members know, whether or not they need to get checked out um, because of, of hitting some kind of threshold. Similar to what you see in a hospital setting when somebody in radiology will wear a dosimeter that tells you how much exposure they've been um, they've had. So we are, we are monitoring it closely so that we can look for any clinical or operational corollaries in the future. That's exactly right. We've been also educating providers out in theater that they are not medical devices but environmental sensors, but uh, collecting that information if there's a potentially concussive event may help uh, to better understand the use of these environmental sensors. Uh, but it's always important to understand what tools and what resources you have. Um, even if uh, we don't know the whole far and wide, we're starting to learn from that. But they are definitely something that commanders are aware of and are tracking and collating all that information to, again, advance the field. Over. Uh, and thank you. I'd, I'd like to ask the Colonel about uh, a... Uh, recent studies that seem to indicate that helmets and mouth guards uh, do not prevent concussion in sports injuries. Um, and apparently uh, uh, the International Olympic Committee and some other uh, international organizations um, have uh, backed the statement um, that researchers have come up with on, on that. Um, how does um, that uh, apparent finding uh, affect the armed forces and, uh, and uh, you know, what other uh, information would you like to share on that? Well, this is uh, Jamie Grimes. Uh, if I understand your question, you're asking specifically about mouth guards and in mitigating the effects of... Uh, well, no, it, it, the, the consensus statement on sports concussion uh, talks about helmets and mouth guards, and, uh, and apparently it does, they don't prevent concussion. Well, from the military side of the house, we know that the helmets are, are a key piece of equipment, um, and uh, we have continued to advance the, the structure and the durability of helmets over time. It's gone through several modifications from the steel helmets of, uh, 
of past wars. Um, we are using this information that Kathy Helmick said is, is now being harvested with these sensors to try to better define that. I would say it's just too premature at this time to, to draw a conclusion. There is uh, um, a more sophistication to the helmet in that it has an accelerometer as well as it does have a blast gauge, but it is an advancement on the Gen 1 in that uh, incidental events with the helmet, uh, what we call an empty helmet uh, effect, are, are uh, eliminated more in the, the new system, the Gen 2. So uh, it's just, again, it's, it's uh, very promising that we're going to be able to tie this back to what's happening uh, in the field with this information. Okay. All right. Thank you. And uh, Wendy, you are next. Wendy, you still there? Um, yes. Oh, there yes, I was just taking myself off of mute. Um, oh, okay. Thanks for taking my question, um, Wendy Poling, my military life radio. Uh, what do military spouses know when it comes to learning more about TBIs, especially if their loved one has experienced one and, and they feel like maybe it's more of an extreme situation? Or how do they know? where to go for help and learn more about, I guess, symptoms and that sort of thing. So this is Kathy Helmick. That's an excellent question and one that we've been working on for years to ensure that um, the circle of TBI is not just to the service member, um, but to their family, their commanders, other providers, etc. So, in fact, as timely as our bloggers roundtable today, this being Brain Injury Awareness Month, is the perfect opportunity to disseminate resources, um, answer the question, where do people go to understand more about concussion or mild TBI, um, to see one of the many posters that uh, are being displayed around the military health system or, or attend over the 200 events that are being conducted this month throughout the military health system to raise awareness of the signs and symptoms, to promote early detection, which can lead to early treatment. Um, for a spouse that is obviously could be in anywhere in the continuum from a new diagnosis of concussion, um, part of the treatment of concussion is an educational intervention in which the service member and family are um, educated on what concussion is, what the common signs and symptoms are, what the normal trajectory or normal course of recovery is, uh, as, as well as the expectations of said trajectory. Um, and then finally, some strategies that can help mitigate some of the symptom um, complaints um, in, in their home environment. So uh, a spouse um, could facilitate recovery through um, participation in, the inter in that educational intervention so that they are aware of some home strategies and, and other social strategies that can be utilized to try to facilitate um, recovery. DVBIC has a uh, robust website um, with many materials, very quick cut to the chase fact sheets, not anything too laborious to, to run through, that discusses signs and symptoms and many of those strategies that I've alluded to. So the www.dvbic.org um, would be a, a one catch-all place to get military relevant materials. Um, Brainline.org is also a uh, WETA um, um, partnership. partnership that we have that ha that really uh, as well can be used to educate the community. Um, but I think that the most stabilizing um, guidance to give to a spouse is that treatments do work 
and early identification is key. So if their loved one has not entered the medical, um, uh, the medical setting for a complete evaluation, a screening and a, an evaluation for concussion, then um, getting them to medical assets would be, would be real keen. Um, be looking for the signs and symptoms like headaches, dizziness, problems with their memory, um, perhaps some irritability, some difficulty with sleep, maybe some problems with reading. Um, all of these things could be uh, signs that, that, I'm sorry, symptoms that a um, um, concussion has uh, been sustained. So knowing the signs and symptoms and encouraging medical um, care and then also identifying some of the strategies that can help promote and support uh, a, an optimal recovery are really key. Yeah, and I would just only add on to that that uh, two of the most important interventions afterwards are rest, both physical, both a physical rest and a mental rest. And that uh, promotion of that, especially to fully recover before you return to duty, before you return to play, is really very important. Uh, when they've done studies, they found that someone who's not recovered from a concussion is two to three times more likely to have yet another concussion if they go back into play or if they go back into activity before they're recovered. I did also want to give a shout out to the Family Caregiver Guide that is really geared towards moderate and severe traumatic brain injury, but it is really intended to help family members, caregivers, which could be parents as well as spouses, in understanding uh, both resources and, and capability as well as signs and symptoms uh, during the recovery process. We do know from a body of literature that, especially with severe TBI, it can take over five years of rehabilitation to actually plateau in that. So that, you know, this is a, a long haul in the moderate and severe. This is something that is, is not a quick uh, recovery and that uh, there are resources and strategies in place for those more severe injuries. And then just as Kathy articulated, um, uh, recognition and education are two of the most important uh, interventions with concussion as well as that rest and full recovery before returning into potential harmful activity again. Over. I wanted to mention, I'm sorry, Wendy, I just to tag along to your question about resources. I did mention the DIPIC website, and I wanted to share um, a very new product that we've released in the last uh, 28 days. It's the TBI Case Management Resource Compendium, and you can find that on the DIPIC website. You can also find it on the DECO website, um, dcoe.health.mil, and this is um, targeted to case managers in the field, in the military health system. It is uh, organized by TRICARE Region, and it delineates the services, the clinical services that are available at every MTF, including also Coast Guard capabilities um, and VA capabilities throughout the whole enterprise, as well as in the, it's worldwide. I, I didn't say that very eloquently, but it's a, it's a worldwide TBI case management resource compendium that will allow the case manager, as they are connecting service members with clinical services, to know whether physical therapy, occupational therapy, substance use disorder services, um, um, complementary and alternative medicines, et cetera, are available at MTFs and VAs and uh, uh, Coast Guard facilities um, throughout the world. 
So I, I, that's an excellent and new resource um, that we hope gets leveraged um, uh, in, in a way to be very efficient in connecting people, especially as they uh, PCS to other um, uh, clinics' environments. Great, fabulous. You guys like answered three of my questions all in that. <laughs> so thank you. You're an overachiever, Kathy. <laughs> and uh, actually, back around to Chuck. Yes, uh, for the doctor, uh, is diagnosis of a concussion based uh, primarily on, on symptoms or are there, are there actual me measurable physical signs? Well, the DOD established a definition of uh, traumatic brain injury, including uh, um, mild traumatic brain injury, in 2007. Um, and it is a blow or a jolt to the head that is associated with uh, symptoms such as uh, uh, loss of consciousness, uh, alteration of consciousness, or post-traumatic amnesia, no memory laid down for a period. When we looked at mild, moderate, and severe, there are time frames to that. But for mild, it's uh, uh, no greater than 30 minutes loss of consciousness, um, no greater than 24 hours of uh, post-traumatic amnesia. And then um, you're not uh, expected to have neuroimaging, so brain pictures that show abnormality in mild traumatic brain injury. Now, you bring up a great point, though, which is we would like to have objective data to augment this clinical diagnosis. And I know that there are many research protocols underway, including biomarkers, uh, the eye tracker, um, brain scope, um, balance boards, there are many different objective tools that we're trying to get validated uh, through research, uh, science, and, and uh, different venues to augment that clinical diagnosis, but the DOD has established what a mild traumatic brain in injury is based on those uh, uh, signs and symptoms I just spoke of. Did you get that, Chuck? Yeah. Um, so, so, okay. Um, are there are, where where are we on the prevention of TBI? What 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 can be done to to prevent TBI? Well, Kathy will remind me here that um, when we look at the numbers, which I think from 2000 to 2012 is 266,810 uh, service members. That, that's the total for the 12 years. Yes, it's that 80% yeah. of those, a little over 80% of those, are actually not in the deployment setting. They're actually in garrison, as we, as we say. And those are still remain um, car accidents and, and uh, sports. And so for that, your, your point about prevention is really the key, and that's the seatbelt awareness that uh, uh, has been an initiative. And, and if you look at the information on that, that's have a, a profound effect on Americans, uh, the seatbelt initiative. But also um, wearing the proper gear when you're on, uh, on the sports field, too. Um, we still have uh, um, events of concussion with combatives. These are actual um, exercises to learn how to be a, a service member in combatives, and we're trying to enhance protective equipment and strategies with that as well. 
We do know, too, that the airborne population, our paratroopers, are at risk with that. And again, we're trying to study um, better interventions there, too, for prevention, because prevention remains the, the most important thing to do. Over. Are there physical activities or medications or diets or, or is there anything that an individual can do other than ramp up equipment that has been found to uh, prevent or, or, or minimize uh, TBI? Again, that's a very good question. Um, I don't think the state of the, the science right now fully answers that. Um, beyond equipment, we do have some information on equipment, but I, I know that, say, for different sports, the more trained you are, the more uh, um, understanding you have of different tactics and, and maneuvers, the, the better off you are. I think there was a study that showed that in practice versus game time, game time had six times the uh, incidence of concussion, of traumatic brain injury, than actually just in practice. So some of that is, um, is a part of bringing your, your most aggressive um, play to bear in the game. So it may be uh, important to look better at the strategies in play for how you can practice for that better on the field. As far as maybe omega-3s, I wondered if that's what you were wondering about diet and omega-3 fatty acids. Um, as far as I know for our military portfolio, they're actually looking at that for recovery from concussion. And I don't know the literature if any of that is preventive, except for we know that we all do better with uh, uh, natural omega-3 fatty acids in our, in our system, and especially for our brain. I would add that the safety offices of all the branches of services are working hard, not just for traumatic brain injury, but from a safety perspective to prevent orthopedic injuries, um, muscle strain, uh, musculoskeletal injuries, back injuries, et cetera. So the safety pieces are not unique to TBI. So what, what's mentioned about prevention, it, it can be a widespread initiative uh, to prevent injuries, per se, in the, in the um, U.S. military. Um, also, you, you mentioned minimize, you said prevent or minimize. You can minimize, a service member can minimize the sequelae from TBI by getting it addressed. So that's the best thing somebody can do is if they've gotten a comp on the head, a bump on the head, or you know they've been, quote, injured, but they think they'll just will it away or it'll be okay, it, it's best to get that checked out. It's no harm, no foul. Come in, get a screen. Um, if you're found to have had concussion, we can immediately begin treatment, which includes that rest. We can prevent a second brain injury from happening, and we can give that educational intervention, plus treat any symptoms. Um, so the mitigation or the minimization, I'm sorry, um, would be it, you minimize the effects by getting it addressed early. So um, anything that would be a blockade to entering the medical system, uh, we need to promote uh, and address and, and promote uh, early identification, which can lead to early treatment. Uh, uh, it was interesting that the Colonel mentioned um, combative because I yesterday or the day before, uh, Navy Station Kuwait or um, Bahrain uh, posted photos of its 
combative competition. Uh, and uh, no gloves, no helmets, um, no protective gear, unless the individuals were wearing uh, perhaps a cup or something, but uh, no protective gear uh, in the photos at all. And uh, it does occur to me um, that, yeah, that would be a really good way to get hurt. I agree, Chuck. And uh, did you have any comment on that, Colonel Grimes? Or uh, again, we are trying to look at that to also track and follow too. Um, and uh, it, it it is part of our armed forces to prepare for combatives. I've heard this expressed by senior leadership, and so it's always a balance. Uh, medical always is in a support role to, to help leadership. Um, mitigate and minimize injuries, and so I, I know that they're concerned about that. I can give a shout out to Dr. Fred Flynn, a retired colonel, and he actually advised when he was a consultant uh, two decades ago uh, to shut down boxing at the academy, and uh, that did not happen, but um, it is uh, even um, a concern that the American Academy of Neurology has looked at, too, in that there are some real um, life help for poor individuals going through boxing that uh, um, that, that has, has a complexity to it that even the American Academy of Neurology has, has examined. So I think that it's one of those uh, topics that has uh, um, pros and cons on it. If, if you just talk to a neurologist, we'll have a certain lens to it, which is to never have the injury to begin with and to avoid all that. But uh, Again, a warfighter has to be equipped with all the skills that he needs to uh, execute his, his or her mission, and that's the balance that I think we all try to uh, bring to the table. Again, always advising our leadership of the risks that are involved and, uh, and mitigation strategies for that, but then the decision becomes the commander, the leader. Over. Thank you. And uh, we'll go, Wendy, did you have another question? I just have one um quick question to kind of follow up to, you know, speaking about leaders and their role and the importance of their role when it comes to mitigation of these types of injuries. What would you say, because I think, you know, sailors, Marines, you know, soldiers, if they are injured, I know, like, as a spouse, if I have my husband that comes home, you know, they'll talk to, he'll talk to me about it, but there's a big difference between them saying something to, um, their supervisor or their platoon commander or whatever the case may be. So because they just think, well, I'm just not going to get the support so I can go to medical or whatever. I mean, we all know there's stories like that out there. So my question to you is what would you say to leaders, those mid-level leaders, not the CO, but maybe, you know, the chief or um, that, that mid-level leader on the importance of giving their troops, you know, time to be able to go to medical so that way, if they are diagnosed, they do get that that rest that you were talking about earlier, that mental and physical rest. So that way, they can better um, heal. And if if it's a mild trauma before it gets to be something more more severe, you know that is a really a, a really great point. And I want to say that was the underpinning for the directive type memorandum that then became the DoD instruction, which is a a line leader and medical partnership, and the, the line has recognized that traumatic brain injury is a battlefield injury as well as a, a home side injury, 
And um, in theater, that was one of our most profoundly reinforcing uh, uh, facts was the recovery and the full recovery of service members of all the services uh, in Afghanistan when they went through the concussion care center. And uh, our numbers are 97% are uh, recovered within two weeks. Uh, I had the pleasure of being stationed over there in 2011 and the, the brigade commander for a large region says that he has full faith in those concussion care centers because he knows when that service member comes back to the fight, comes back to the team, they're fully uh, equipped and ready to go back out there and be a full team member. And he would see them in the past really not recover. And so it was a game changer for him. And he had full confidence in the recovery of the, uh, of the concussion care because he saw that. And the team leaders would come to the concussion care centers and see the progress and see them rejoin the team and, and find that also very reinforcing at a lower leadership level like you're talking about. I don't think we've totally, I, I'm not as Pollyanna as I sound in that I don't think we've totally convinced all the uh, levels of leadership. And you're absolutely right. There's a difference between Admiral Mullen when he was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff to a squad leader or a platoon leader. We still have to get that information down to there. Almost invariably, whenever I talk about TBI, I make people raise their hands and, and let me know um, how many have had a traumatic brain injury. Major Goldman did this at the U.S. Military Academy um, with uh, General Odierno, and almost three-fourths of the individuals, the, the students at the Military Academy, raised their hand and talked about how, uh, how that felt and, and what helped to speed the recovery. So I think we still need to educate. I think we, we need to make this uh, a, a part of real education, not just perfunctory, mandatory education. And I'm really hoping General Horaho's initiative for the Army for garrison MTBI will reinforce this, that this is not just something that happens on the battlefield, that it's something that happens in our everyday life. As a matter of fact, if you look at the CDC, the number one cause of injuries is in the very young and the very old, and it's false. And how do we prevent, prevent that is the, the name of the game there, too. So this impacts all of us, and, and I think education is the key, uh, both for prevention as well as uh, maximizing recovery. Over. Thank you, ma'am. Uh, somebody else joined during the last uh, answer. Can I get your name? This is Emily Deck from DECO. Oh, okay. Emily, did you want to ask a question? or? No, I'm just listening. Thank you. Roger that. And Chuck, did you have another question? Uh, I did. Um, the military, uh, the typical military recruit is probably highly likely to have engaged in sports in uh, school, elementary, uh, middle school, high school. Uh, and uh, there's a, a, a great deal of concern right now about sports injuries, including concussions. Uh, how does the recruitment process, uh, the medical side of the recruitment process, look at pre-existing concussion, uh, look for pre-existing concussion, uh, or, or is that not uh, a concern right now? I am the neurology consultant for the Army, and so I do have a little bit of experience with this. Uh, the, the new AR40-501 is coming out soon, but the guidance currently is if you've fully recovered from a concussion in less than four weeks, 
that just needs to be documented. If it's been beyond four weeks, and, and in some ways we would be concerned about post-concussive syndrome, then they uh, have to have a medical evaluation, and they have to show that it's not impacting on their um, mental and physical aptitude. Over. The other piece about cumulative concussion or history of concussion is that the MACE tool, which is, of course, our, our foundational tool for the evaluation of concussion, the Military Acute Concussion Evaluation, otherwise known as MACE, which was developed in 2006, um, there, that, that tool has been revised four times. So we're on version 4.0, which was deployed in May of 2012. This tool asks about a history of concussion. So whether you're in the deployed setting or in garrison, um, when you seek, um, uh, when you enter the medical system, you are asked about your previous history, uh, history of concussion. And our algorithms for care take into account your previous history of concussion. So I, I, I think, Chuck, your question is going back to um, young recruits. Um, uh, however, it, as Colonel Grimes mentioned about the literature and the, uh, it, the longer time to recover, the more symptoms that you report, and your chances of having another concussion all go up when you sustain your first concussion, keeping that in mind from the literature base, our algorithms that, that talk to providers about how to manage these folks um, take that into account. So there's longer rest periods. There's, um, there's a very aggressive or assertive way in which we treat the symptoms. Um, we gather more data when you've had more concussions. And that's it's defined in our algorithms as three concussions within a 12-month period. So if you have repeat concussions, we are looking at um, doing a comprehensive neuropsychological evaluation, an, an in-depth neuroimaging study, um, a comprehensive neurological evaluation by a neurologist or a TBI trained provider, and a functional exam. So all four of those components are used when, um, when you've had multiple concussions and we want to make sure we have adequate data to make safe decisions on returning to duty or further on, um, uh, uh, you know, fulfilling your MOS duties. Okay, that thank is you. a great point, um, very great point, Kathy, and I just wanted to add moderate and severe TBI for a young recruit is uh, a much more elaborate waiver process to come in, understanding that uh, we ask these service members of all the services to do very dangerous and, and uh, athletically demanding um, um, tasks, so we do want to make sure that we're not putting them at excessive uh, risk with pre-existing conditions. That's really the, the major intent. Over. Thank you. And Wendy, did you have another question? No, I'm, 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 all my questions were answered. You guys did a great job. And is anybody, is there anybody on the line that did not get to ask a question? Or Chuck, did you have another question? Uh, I'm good to one. Roger that. Well, uh, I'd like to thank everybody for your questions and for your answers for our guests on the line. Um, today's program will be available online at dodlive.mil where you'll be able to access an audio file uh, that will be up first thing tomorrow morning at the latest. Again, thank you to Colonel Grimes and uh, uh, Ms. Helmick. If you have a closing statement, uh, the floor is yours for that. 
Sure, thanks. I, I think I'll offer one and, and then see what Colonel Grimes wants to add. But I, I just want to, um, two points actually. One, the first point is that um, we have invested quite a lot in as the, as the DOD in research and we are fully committed to finding effective treatments beyond what we talked about on this phone call. And so um, it's important for the DOD to know that, you know, every day the burden remains to find a quick and effective treatments um, in which to uh, um, uh, help mild TBI concussion population as well as the whole spectrum of TBI. Um, the reason we focus so much on TBI, mild TBI, otherwise known as concussion, is that that's 40, it's 82.4% of that 12-year period that we discussed, of the 266,810, 84.4% of those folks um, were found to have mild traumatic brain injury, hence a lot of the initiatives um, to cover that. And, and I also wanted to mention, it, it's 84.2%, if I didn't say that clearly, are mild TBIs. Um, and also just wanted to mention that the DOD really is the tip of the spear as it relates to leading a worldwide effort on traumatic brain injury. Colonel Grimes and I are both involved in a NATO working group on mild TBI with our partner um, international colleagues. Um, we are going to be delivering 18 products um, by July of this year um, that span the full uh, program um, uh, elements from surveillance to research to education um, to uh, clinical care in, in uh, the deployed environment. And so we, we have constructed uh, really the, the take-home message for all NATO um, for future conflicts um, as well as how where the state of the science is leading us and, and what our current state is. So um, the DOD is playing a very active and important role in advancing the field of TBI for the world uh, with lots of translatable information to the civilian and sports community as well. Over. Yeah, I, I, those are just outstanding summation points. I would just add that uh, we know from 2007 to 2012 that there's been uh, $675 million appointed to TBI research and there are 510 studies uh, projects underway. I, I do want to just uh, say that it is of that importance that the NFL and GE and DOD, namely, uh, the Army have uh, entered into uh, an agreement to try to uh, continue to advance the science, advance the knowledge, and uh, I know that uh, we have learned, and even uh, um, Dr. McRae uh, has articulated this uh, in a recent journal article, that we've learned more in the past 10 years and then, than in the previous 50 on traumatic brain injury. So this uh, is, has, is, uh, reinforces what I've always said, which is on the carnage of the battlefield, we have learned some of our best uh, medical lessons, and uh, that is one of, the, uh, one of the positive aspects is what we've learned about traumatic brain injury. Over. Thank you very much uh, for, your, for your closing comments. And uh, again, thank you to everybody on the line. This concludes our call. Feel free to disconnect at this